I'm Chad Rothermans. And I'm Andy Koenig. And we're joined today by Dan Otten. Hello. And Janelle Vickers. Hi. Uh, so welcome to No Clip Pocket. No Clip Printer Sold Separately. Uh, <laughs> today, we're going to be talking that about... That was definitely worth it. That was, was it? <laughs> I've got like a list of them. That was like the, the one that I liked for this one, because we're not talking about a Game Boy game. We're in fact talking about Home, a game that was released in 2012 on PC, and it was developed by Ooh, Ben Rivers. Rivers, uh, Incorporated. Yeah, <laughs> LLC. <laughs> that uh, Delaware Limited Liability Company. Um, so Home is essentially an adventure game, uh, but it's one where there's very little in terms of puzzle solving or you know, the traditional narrative content that you find in an adventure game, which is kind of why we found it interesting in the first place. Yeah, it's very much like an atmospheric piece. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that's why it stuck with me anyway. I played this for the first time probably like three or four years ago now at this point. It's been a while. Yeah. Uh, it, you actually probably played it pretty close to release, if I had to guess, because I, I don't remember when I got it, but... It was I showed it to a lot of people, but the reason that I did that, see, this game's really short, and the gimmick of it is that uh, each time that you play the game, depending on what you interact with and what choices you decide to make, um, though really it's the interacting with stuff that makes the biggest difference, uh, kind of determines the outcome of your story, uh, and so I'd kind of like to start by saying, uh, Dan and Janelle, what was the story of your first playthrough? Uh, hot Garbo. It was Garbo. Uh, that <laughs> uh, was my last note on the game, was our ending was Garbo. Yeah, so um, basically my thought going in was I wanted to try to interact with as many things as possible and try to basically get as much of the story going in. Um, and when it finally came to sort of the climactic moment of the game where you as the protagonist find out whether or not your wife is dead. I made the choice thinking it would be more psychologically interesting to say that the protagonist had invented his wife all along. Um, I thought that that would lead to a more interesting choice than just finding her corpse in the basement and assuming that I was actually a mass murderer. Um, But it ended up being really unfulfilling and I don't know whether I missed items or I missed part of the game, but the game essentially ended with the protagonist saying, well, I don't really know yeah. what happened. Our so- ending was basically like, know all these like clues and like little tidbits that you've been finding throughout the game? Who knows what they mean? Yeah, apparently <laughs> I just went into like an alcoholic sleepwalking state and uh, some stuff happened. What happened to my buddy Norman? Was he actually sleeping with a woman named Rachel? Because I made up Rachel apparently. Then who was he sleeping with? Who killed Norman? Beats me. I'm just going to leave the house. Yeah. (laughs) To my knowledge, anyway, I don't think you missed anything. It's just the game really seems to lean into the idea that you are the murderer. Because that ends up with the more satisfying ending if you do find her body in the basement. Because there's evidence to support you being the murderer. And I agree. The idea Mm. that... Because it's so obvious going through that that's what happened. That that not being the case would be more interesting, but the game doesn't support that option basically at all. I I would have rather it shoehorned you into the ending that it seems to suggest it wants you to have of 
you finding out you were the murderer all along as compared to having an option for something else that ended up being that sort of dissatisfying. Well, I don't think it needs to, like, shoehorn you into that ending. I think, like, it it wouldn't take that much creativity to make that ending more satisfying than it was. Because it really, like, it was hardly an ending. I mean, it was just, Rachel wasn't real, I don't, like, and then the character, like, throws up their hands about every other mystery that we came across in the game. It was like, what was Norman doing there? Like, what was all this stuff about? I don't know. (laughs) But I sure am bummed that Rachel wasn't real. And then the credits roll. (laughs) Yeah, uh, and correct me if I'm wrong, Chad, but at the end, if you make the choice not to leave, do you just keep playing the game, or does that trigger a different ending? Uh, There are two ways to end the game proper. Uh, and you had access to both of them in this case. Uh, the first one is to leave the house, and if you choose not to leave the house, then you can go, I believe, to the bathroom, and while you're in the bathroom, you can kill yourself with a knife. That's what I figured. When... I think you can also kill yourself with the gun, if you have it if as you well. It back. The only time that you can't kill yourself. Uh, this game very uplifting. The only time you can't kill yourself is if you choose not to take the gun or the knife. So... Do you remember what ending I was on track to get? The fr- like, however long ago was I? I've watched this. this game? Like, people play this game so many times that I'm not. I don't know. I think that you were on track to get the ending. I wish I had gotten because I went through the game and got to Rachel's body and said that I did find it. But then when I went to leave the house, I assumed I just had to leave the house or just kind of like walk around the house forever Mm -hmm. so i think you were on track to have found her body and then stay and kill yourself and i wanted to see what that ending was yeah that sounds that sounds right yeah so what happened when you left the house after finding the body well it's really hard to remember did you you get get like a text dump of i think you just kind of like i found the body and then left and i think he just kind of like it's implied that he just kind of like runs away and becomes a drifter but I don't remember. Uh, it depends. It has on, been like four years. Yeah, it, it depends on some things. And I by no means have an encyclopedic knowledge of all the endings of this game. And also, not to give the game too much credit, I'm sure there aren't like uh, a ludicrous number of endings. It's, there's just several. And um, the text will be a little bit different on each one, so it allows for more sort of modularity. However, the majority of people, and what the game kind of does is the, on everyone's first playthrough, they always want to sort of like see everything, grab everything, take everything with them. And the game plays into that in order to deliver what I think is its intended narrative, which is uh, that you killed uh, Norman and your wife because you found that they were having an affair. So, the, and then, like, you can play that in a way where Rachel is not uh, there and still works. Like, she just went on vacation because, like, there's plenty to set that up. Um, but for the most part, that's generally what people get. Uh, I forget the question that led into all of this, but basically when you left the house, I believe you were like the on-the-run ending mm-hmm. where you were the murderer and potentially were the murderer of all of the people and had yeah. your crazy well, person notebook and everything. Yeah, while I was playing through it, 
that was what seemed like it was definitely the case to me. So I just kind of leaned into that. I was like, yep, her body's here. Yeah. (laughs) Right, yeah. And I think that's why, since I grabbed everything, like you said, it being my first playthrough, I definitely leaned into the idea of, you know, I want to see everything. I want to get everything. I want to find as much information as possible. And I think that's largely why the ending that I got was such a letdown. Because I was really looking for the twist, where all this information that I found leading me to believe that I was this mass murderer largely of women who I then buried in shallow graves in the woods (laughs) was somehow not that. I was really looking to see that flipped and see, you know, that, oh, maybe it was somebody else all along or I was, you know, in some kind of a strange fugue state. I don't know. Anything other than the, like, dissatisfying ending that I got. So I think maybe that's why there was more dissonance for me is I had all that information and I was really looking for a way to piece all that information together in a way that wasn't just, I was the murderer all along. Sure. And to, uh, just like for, to complete the circuit of everyone, my first ending was exactly the same as yours, except I killed myself. So. Oh, there you go. Yeah. So even in the ending where it turns out that you're the murderer, or maybe in any of the endings, like one thing I was thinking about or trying to pay attention to while you were playing through was how much, uh, like, the details you get, especially early on, tie into the ultimate ending of the game? Like, does it hang together as a coherent narrative? And if you killed Rachel and Norman because they were having an affair, is it just a weird, like, a coincidence you also happen to be a serial killer? (laughs) Right? Because, I mean, so much of the evidence you find early on suggests, like, a like long running pattern of killing and you find several people right Right. i think the uh read on that that i got was this was one like rage fueled like sleepwalking murder fest that like you killed norman and rachel and then just proceeded to keep on like killing a bunch of people when you ended up in that house that you start the game in why do you have that notebook with all the names and some of them are crossed out in like really old ink like that okay so so that's fair this is the thing though the text of the game itself like if you're looking at it as a like holistic piece is changing so you don't have to find that notebook you don't have to find the bodies so the with the exception of the guy in the first room uh, and Norman, you wouldn't have to find any other bodies. Where um, you can find Rachel and to put the narrative right. together, but yeah. So you actually, there would be no evidence of a mass murder spree. It would just be a story about you killing two, possibly three people. Yeah. That's possible, but that's part of what my point was. Like, you can find all that stuff and then get the ending where it turns out Rachel was having an affair and you killed her and Norman, right? I believe, well, I believe that you, I think you can. But with the implication that it brings in the sleepwalking angle, uh, whereas if you don't find that stuff, you can get that ending where you've just killed them. Okay. Like, it's been, there are, like, multiple endings for the same And it, it In May, scenario. is it possible that you just killed Norman and Rachel, and then you kind of throw up your hands with the other murders? It's like, wow, I don't know what was going yeah. on at the yeah. plant like, the I was water the murderer, tower. and there's also another serial killer. <laughs> would also be kind of interesting, but it, once again, there's not very much evidence to yeah. point that way. There's also, if you don't pick up the wallet, credit card, driver's license, or watch... Uh, it also calls into question your own identity. Yeah, whether or not you're Norman. Right, like, it it has a bunch of, like, you could be Norman or you could be just, like, a drunk hobo (laughs) that's just on a murder spree. 
Uh, yeah, it, that's one of my favorite things about the game is how what things you find and interact with changes the narrative, like on a grander scale. Like, like you, like we've said, if you don't find any of the bodies, then there's no evidence to point to you being a serial killer. So you just mm-hmm. aren't in that version of the story. Right. But if you find all that stuff, then you probably are. <laughs> I would be interested to see what a like speedrun style version. Uh, I believe we actually did this once. I don't I, know if I you were I think he told me that Matt Artemis did this. Yeah. Uh, he went through the game uh, just, like, not picking up anything, only doing the things that are... And the ending was predictably unsatisfying. Like, mm-hmm. you got to the end, he did, He chose not to find Rachel and not to kill... He didn't have Ooh, the that stuff That seems to like the himself. worst possible ending. Yeah, so it was just like... Because there was still some implication about, like, why did I wake up there? What did I do? And things like that. But there was just nothing to go on. So mm. I forget if the... That would have been something... If if this is, if that had happened sometimes more recently than, like, five years ago, I would, I would love to have related what the game did in that scenario. But mm. I don't remember. Um, two things. I don't know if you're going to have the answers to this or not. Do you remember what was on the VHS tape? Because you find the VH tape, mm-hmm. VHS tape in the sewer, and you can find a VCR. Yeah, I figured because it, it kept reminding me, like, "Oh boy, I have this VCR tape in my inventory. Sure, wish I could watch that." Yeah. And I'm like, "I would love to watch that." The Where lock do I do door, it? and then the key in the security guard's pocket is mm-hmm. how you get there. Not yeah. the security, not the guy who's outside. The guy who's in the bottom of the tunnel. Right. And you find a key, and then you can go, and then you can go back and find his. Uh, uh, and I also don't know what's in the safe because i feel like i've seen a couple people play and we've never gotten the safe open yeah that's one that i i cannot actually tell you yeah because dan was playing and you're not allowed to uh he didn't get to finish the game because he got to the safe and we looked at the combination because i don't know how you get it in the game and we put it in and then like the game just like froze you're not supposed so, to know. Yeah. Trade secrets. Yeah, maybe that's just the way the game's made. You can't open the safe. Yeah. Uh, it's The VHS tape shows the uh, guard whose key you grab to mm-hmm. get into the room to watch the tape mm-hmm. being murdered. Okay. By uh, who? It doesn't say. It's a little bit blurry. Like, and it's uh, also security camera footage, mm-hmm. so, like, uh, infamously in narratives. Uh, difficult to make out. Mm-hmm. Though in real life, actually pretty reliable. Right, yeah. <laughs> of course, but it is a VHS tape, so probably bad quality. Right. So this uh, shifts the topic slightly from like the plot and story elements of the game. I'm fine with that. But um, you mentioned at the beginning this is sort of like an adventure game. I'm curious, what what does the game present itself as? Like, What are the tags if you go on Steam? And, like, what genre do you well, think this game is in? The, it I, says, like, a unique horror Exactly. That, that's why I asked, because I, I yeah. don't really think this is a horror game. It's not very effective as a horror well, game. Well, when we booted up the game, it said it was tagged with horror. And yeah. I jokingly asked Chad, like, oh, no, am I going to be scared? And he said, uh, no. Yeah, it turns out <laughs> so, hard no. <laughs> I, and I, um, I mean, I guess there were moments that startled me, because if... It is dark, and you turn up the volume as they ask. Sometimes, you know, sound effects can make you jump. But I wouldn't say that I was alarmed by anything. And I mean, perhaps it's in the 2D pixelated nature of the game, but it wasn't particularly like graphic. Like there wasn't a whole lot of body horror either. Yeah. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't designate it personally as a horror game. And it's not like, um, it's not like like Franbo, which is sort of similar. It like in terms of being like a 2D kind of 
adventure game setup. Mm -hmm. But there's like really disturbing imagery in that game. Whereas here, like it actually spares you, even when it has opportunities to do something kind of disturbing it doesn't really capitalize on it yeah for me like i said earlier it's i think the game's very atmospheric and it maybe has less of a horror vibe and more of like kind of a mystery vibe there's always like there's a sense of uneasiness to it i think and i think it's definitely enhanced if you play it like by yourself or at night because i know i played it at your place but we didn't talk during really and it was dark and uh, that's that sort of, I think that made it better for yeah. for me. I, I don't think that you could say that you that this game isn't classified as horror. I feel like that's very clearly sort of what they're going for. But the reason that it isn't scary is many fold. One is the the pixel art graphics. Two is the uh, like the the choice that we've made to play it as a group in this scenario. Mm-hmm. Uh, playing it by yourself, headphones on, lights off, that kind of thing, you're going to get a little bit, just because of like the lack of sound effects, or lack of music, rather, and sort of the the really isolated tone, I think is all fine. Um, uh, but I, I don't think it's intending to be like horrific. Like You can't really scare people in a group anyway without that sort of... like visual aspect to it and this game is is actually incapable of doing that yeah and i i don't know if you could you couldn't really classify this as like a point and click horror game really but i think it does share that dna so i i think i would classify it as like an atmospheric adventure game personally to answer your question (laughs) uh on that note though um sort of the the aesthetics of this game or something that I find kind of, like incredibly hit and miss. Like it was made by one person, so like the limitations are pretty clear. Um, but both in visuals and sound, uh, it seems like it took the unideal, the non-ideal, not the ideal, uh, <laughs> anti-ideal, <laughs> uh, like choice for for both. The sound effects I'd give most of a pass for. Because I think that the uh, they sound like one either somebody was trying to make sound effects for their game, and are not a sound engineer, or they pulled some of them from like a, a resource. Library. Yeah. Um, so like whatever with that, I do have a special shout out for the cool power turning on sound. Effects I actually kind of disagree. One of my notes was that the sound design was like one of the big strengths of this game. I mean, maybe like. On a really like technical level, it's not good. Uh, I, I actually wouldn't know because I don't have the knowledge to, to judge that. But I thought in like the conceptually, what they did with the sound design was really good because all of the you mentioned before, there's no real like music. Mm-hmm. Um, in all of the sound effects, you're like just a little bit too loud, and I actually think that contributes to it feeling kind of unsettling when you're playing, especially early on. Um, and that. I think is one of the biggest uh, like elements in the game that sets the atmosphere that mm-hmm. like is what makes it effective is like an atmospheric um, like horror mystery. No, yeah, I would agree. It adds to that isolation feeling. I think a lot because like at least when I played, I was like anticipating like actually running into another person the whole time, and you mm-hmm. never end up doing so. And I think only the sound, dead bodies. yeah, only dead, only dead people. <laughs> Um, but I think that the sound effects really add to that. Like, you go walking around in mostly silence, and then you hear those, like, sounds mm-hmm. of the doors opening, and yeah. the walking down the stairs, that kind of, like, 
punctuate the silence. It, it almost makes you, I mean, this is a little bit of an overstatement, but it almost makes you like dread interacting with things mm-hmm. or like you're reluctant to do it because even like turning a valve is somewhat unsettling because the sound is like just a little too loud. And especially opening the door, the gates uh, in the area immediately outside the house, I thought. With the creaky. Like, yeah, that creak. Like, every time you go through, it's like, cring- you're cringing in a way that I actually think is like, It's almost is like good. you're anticipating, like, the sound effect and then something happening, and then it never does. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I will say that with the 2D style, it actually made exploring the space a lot easier, and I felt like... For a game that is support, supposed to be a little bit shorter, um, it was good to know I wasn't missing things in a three-dimensional space. So, like, I knew if there was an item on the screen, there wouldn't be anything above it. So, like, I didn't have to worry about shining the light up there. Or, you know, if I moved into another area, like, you know, it, things were highlighted very clearly. Um, so I think that that worked really well. Um, where I thought the 2D didn't work as well, um, was the part in the woods with the bushes. Yeah. I was like, what is this? Is the, this... The level design was very yes. intuitive there. I, I would agree, yeah, it's more of a level design thing than an aesthetics thing. Sure. Because uh, it, it, I think it's pretty clear that there's, like, a hole in the bush there that you can crawl through. I, did, yeah. I didn't see it at first. Because oh, really? I, I saw the negative space as being an object, because uh... for the entire game... It highlights an object, and right. it was highlighting the hole in the bush. But I was like, "What is this? Sh- is this like mm. a burnt out stump? What mm. is that?" <laughs> so you know, that was a little unintuitive. But I think I think is that it two were... old women facing each other yes. or a chalice? <laughs> <laughs> yes. that, I mean, on, but but for real. Um, yeah, so yeah, two like bushes so, or a stump. So like Who interacting, knows? yeah. So like interacting with objects in a two dimensional space worked, but interacting with you know, like I said, like the absence of objects, which could matter in this game. In this case, the gap between the bushes, um, that was a little bit unintuitive. Um, but I mean, I think for being like a side-scrolling like adventure story, like it worked really well. Yeah, I for being a game that's made by one person, who I'm assuming is more of a programmer and less of an artist, I think the game is like, it has its weak spots where like, you said the ladder looked like a bench to you. Yeah. And yeah. it really I was like, does. oh God, I was like, oh God, where am I going? I thought this was a bench. <laughs> yeah, and, 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 you know, that's fair. There are moments like that. But I think overall the game actually has a pretty, like, nice look to it. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, yeah, okay, so when I said that it had a not ideal aesthetic design, it mm-hmm. was not in reference to its functionality. Because I do think that both of the things work well enough as... Uh, I, I'm saying that... I, I think that if the game was going for a horror atmosphere, I don't think that the the pixel art really helps it very no. much. Like, it is perfectly serviceable, and uh, in a lot of places I actually really like the way that this game looks. Um, the higher fidelity really just would have aided in being able to show things that were a little bit more graphic and make it a little bit more mm. effective. Well, right. you know, when, when, well, I was just going to say, when we came across, for example, the bodies... I was like, oh, what's this in the ground? Uh, yeah, and then yeah. it was like two girls. Uh, one yeah. of them is facing <laughs> up. My flashlight, you know, hits yeah. their glassy eyes. And, like, it's very evocatively written. But I was like, oh, oh, I didn't get See, that at all. Thought it was I, some rags. I kind of like that, though. I, I like the very detailed description and the more abstract visual. Because, like, it... And this is one of the points that I wanted to make about the game is... There are a lot of indie games that are made with pixel art aesthetics, and it's mostly as a nostalgia thing, or because, like, an engine like Game Maker has a pixel editor built in, so it's easier. 
Um, but this game really feels like it could have like authentically been on the Super Nintendo. Right. Like this game feels like old school, like legitimately, and so I think things like that come off better to me. Like when I played it and when I watch other people play it, is that there's this. Something that feels really genuine, or maybe not genuine, but like very authentic to it in that way. What was the horror game that we played where you, uh, the protagonist, was like the insurance adjuster for a fire insurance company? Oh, um, dis. Yes, it was one word, and it was like a word distraint. Distraint. I wanted to say disjoint because I've been yeah. watching a lot of Super Smash Brothers content recently. <laughs> <laughs> um, that that game was pixel art too, right? Uh. No, oh, the it? one that we played yeah. where um, there was the puzzles where you had to take the mushrooms and run through the hallway, or is that a different game? I'm pretty sure that's the same game. This is great content. Uh, it really is speculating about yeah. a game that we've. Uh, that's definitely pixel art. Yeah, yeah. I was. So, I only mention it because I, my memory is that that game was actually pretty scary and like kind of disturbing, and had like disturbing imagery, and it was pixel art. So, I, like, I think you could do that effectively in like the pixel art space. Yeah, well, that was more detailed pixel art, whereas this is more, like, lower fidelity. I appreciate that the character had a limp. They established throughout the game that you hurt your leg, Mm -hmm. and he limps the entire time. Yeah, I have to wonder if that was intentional the whole time, or if he tried to make a walk animation (laughs) and thought that it looked like he had a limp, so he wrote that into the story. It doesn't ever really come into play, so... No. Other, other than, like, I don't want to come down this ladder, yeah. it could hurt my leg. If you jump down the ladder and jump down the uh, the ventilation mm-hmm. chute, I think that, like, your character said that he, like, has severely injured his leg, and then, like, that affects the ending in some way. Huh. Um, Maybe he can't leave the yeah. house. I like that they keep bringing it up, because, it, like, it's just one more thing you have to keep in your mind, you know? I yeah. just think it adds to kind of, like... Yeah. Piling on, like, kind of, like, stress. Yeah, what kind of sucks is that you want to uh, play this game multiple times in order to get its, like, myriad endings. However, the first time that you play this game is always sort of, like, the best because you don't know what you're expecting. And Mm -hmm. so things like the limp, you're like, do I need to keep this in mind? Like, should I take the knife with me just in case there's, like, an enemy? Like, things like that, which are very... Like, this game plays you just straight up Mm -hmm. like it wants you to think that it's going to be more of a regular game than it is so that it can blindside you at the end i took the knife and the gun because i was like well who knows i mean need to fight some people and then i was like oh but then if the police find me with these things like Mm -hmm. then they'll catch me and so i was like well shit like (laughs) i guess it's you know i don't know what to expect so i yeah i took everything Mm. uh but speaking of things being written into the story uh I think this game is actually very well written for the most part. Like, as far as, like, the, we've, t- we've discussed the plot itself and the way that the narrative strings together, but I think that the descriptions of items and, like, the moment-to-moment writing that shows up frequently to offer you, like, choices and provide descriptions of things is detailed and evocative enough to sort of pull you in to the world that the game is trying to set up. I don't know if anyone, anyone would disagree with that. Yeah, I, wouldn't, I, w- I wouldn't push back <laughs> I mean, on that at all. I think the writing is one of the game's strengths, for sure. Yeah, I mean, I think, like, we kind of talked about a lot of the puzzles were really simplistic, 
Um, but it never felt like, oh, Jesus, I gotta turn these valves because I guess the game wants me to turn the valves. Like, I actually felt invested in, like, oh, like, I know how to do this, and, like, I need to do this because I need to keep going. And, like, ooh, I don't want to be in that, you know, gross water. I gotta turn these valves for that reason. Like, I never felt, like, resentful toward the game, which I think is kind of common in adventure games like this that maybe are made by one person or a small team of people and it's not, you know, you don't necessarily get invested in the story. So I think a lot of that, um, like with the writing and sort of bringing you into that narrative where you have an understanding of you want this character to get home, so you will do these like silly little puzzles, um, like willingly without sort of that feeling of, oh, I guess I'm getting shoehorned into this. Right. As a minor point on the uh, level design, I think that it actually is pretty strong in the uh, in the series part of the game because I think that the reason they make you turn the the valves more than one time mm-hmm. is so that you don't do it the first time. So you have to backtrack and come back through places to see if you can like pick up and check a few more things. Like I think the game yeah. kind of wants to shepherd you along. Yeah, I think in the first area there were more things I could have done or picked up or, like, rooms that I missed. Um, yeah, in the house, I think there were a couple of Yeah, rooms there were a couple missed. of rooms I missed. But even still, I mean, I guess that is a strength of the game where you could pick up those ancillary items and it would add to the richness of the story, but you can always progress through. And there also were um, always, or not always, but frequently, these sort of, like, level-skipping things. So you could, if you pickpocketed the guard get his card that gave you the access to the room where you could bypass the need for turning all the power switches on. Right. You know, so you could go through and play the level in its entirety, or you could kind of find these ways to circumvent. So I thought that was interesting as well. If you're kind of a completionist like me, you could go through and try to find every item and do every puzzle. But if you're someone who's trying to just speed run through things, and I think that is an avenue that works as well if you're the character who's anxious to get home who wants to know what's going on with his wife why he woke up in a strange place like you might take the avenues where you can cut as many corners as possible to get to get home yeah and while we're on the subject of the puzzles uh i feel like i agree that they never feel like they're tedious because they are very like stripped down and streamlined but i kind of feel like they're almost too much to the point where they don't really even feel like puzzles. Right. Uh, and not that there's anything really wrong with that. It just, it kind of feels like it's an idea that the game had that it just kind of abandons. Because there's only like two instances of it. It so could it also up, be an example of our favorite thing in the world, which is needless time padding. To yeah. try and make the game a little bit longer <laughs> yeah, so it people just, don't feel cheated. If they could have had something a little bit more involved, I think it might have gone over a little bit better. But... You know, it's yep. not really a big deal. I agree with that. I mean, I, it, it's almost a stretch to call them puzzles. Like, yeah. Like, mm-hmm. there's no real, um, you don't have to think them through. It's just whether you find the things you need to interact with. Mm-hmm. Um, and now I kind of feel two ways about the water valve thing, because I made a note, like, that was really unintuitive and not fun. Like, it, it was a part <laughs> of the game where I felt like it dragged. Right. But it's actually a good point that it does force you to backtrack at a time in the game when, like, maybe you haven't been doing that. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if that was the intent, I do. that is so pretty effective. As a puzzle, it's not, I think it's mm-hmm. not very good. Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, it's, like I said, they aren't really, truly puzzles. It's more yeah. of, but, but it, like I said, I think because of the writing and because of the plot and the fact that 
it makes you identify with this character that you have no idea about, who, who really doesn't even know himself, to the degree that you will go and do these little repetitive things in order to move forward, um, I think does say a lot that a lot of those simple puzzle-type games don't always have. But what's, but what's unintuitive about the water valve puzzle, and actually the power one, although mm. once you get to the power one you've learned this, mm. is like <laughs> the text is almost actively tricking you, because it says like, I think I can turn off the water if I turn the valve. Did I turn it? And then you hit yes, and you hear a turning noise. <laughs> and then unless you interact with it again, you don't find out, oh, it didn't work. Do I turn it again? Yeah, I went down to the water. You get no cue that it didn't work. Well, you get an audio cue, though, is that there are at least two of them where you turn them and you get a different sound effect, like a... Yeah. Which, yeah. And then it, the game, I think, wants you to realize when you turn the other ones, it just goes... Right. And, and like... Can we get like, that one again, please? <laughs> <laughs> uh, to notice Grateful. that there's like a difference. Let's tell what a clown's nose make if you honked it. <laughs> that. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> slightly different. Though. Yeah, but like, I think the game wants you to pick up on that, that there's like a turning off sound and a turning yeah, sound. Yeah, but I totally didn't. And so I went down to the water and I was like, well, there's still water here. No, I no. found all four valves. I also I think it's a, still a little confusing. There's like a running water sound effect that we couldn't hear because the AC was on also. <laughs> uh, so there's a few, but I still did exactly the same thing the first time I played mm-hmm. it. And most people seem yeah, to. Yeah, and I think the game does want that. Mm-hmm. It, uh, and But while we're on the subject of the mechanics and everything, what do you think of the... Hold flashlight up and hold flashlight down mechanic. I love it, personally. See, I think it's kind of like the puzzles for me, where I kind of like it conceptually, but I feel like they don't do it enough. That's fair. (laughs) I I agree with that. I mean, it's... It's sort of counterintuitive, and you and you don't have to do it often enough that like you mostly forget about it. Yeah, because I, mean, I, I could tell that like that Janelle playing through the game would there would be rooms where like she would remember that you can hold the flashlight up and do it frequently, and then other times when like I mean, but she also hadn't done it in a long time. But also because I was using a Steam controller, and every once in a while, <laughs> the Steam controller thinks I want to go up and I don't so like four times in one room it would be like whoop put that flashlight in the air (laughs) in fairness to Valve uh, (laughs) that is that is a problem with my Steam controller specifically Uh. I've accidentally disconnected the back of the the directional pad and sometimes it doesn't register properly yeah so like every once in a while I'd be like let's check the ceiling and I'm like I didn't want to do that but you know what no, do if, your thing. Yeah, it feels like there's like every time there's a spot where you need to use it, you're wandering around for a while before you realize, oh yeah, I can do this. Right. And then you figure it out. So I don't know. I, I feel like they were kind of trying to balance it to where it would be like an epiphany moment, like, oh yeah, I have to look up and find the thing. But I think it there, I think the purpose that it serves as far as like the game itself goes is more that uh if you're going just from point A to point B throughout the entire game, anything that's on the ground or the walls, you're just going to see because they highlight it. And so putting things up out of reach makes it so that there's still things that can be hidden that you have to look for. Right. Um, which helps because this game, you know, keeps track of the things that you interact with. Mm-hmm. So putting things above you is a way to allow people on their first playthrough not just to hit every single thing. Uh, I don't know. It just adds a little bit of variance. Right. That's why I like it. 
No, I I, th- I agree. I like it overall. I just feel like it probably could have been implemented better. Mm. I also like that the flashlight narrows your field of view, so that really the only thing that you can see in certain areas is just like mm-hmm. a, a nice few feet field. around you. Yeah. Yeah. yeah every, when I got to the house and I was in the basement the first time before I had to go get the crowbar to smash down the wall. Right. When I got to the basement, I'm like, she's gonna be down here, dead. And then, you know, I was like, ooh, inching along with that little flashlight being the only thing you could see. And I was very disappointed when I got to the back wall and there was no dead body. But, um, you know, like, there were moments like that. Yeah, the my maybe my favorite, like, single moment in the game actually was because of the way that that, that worked visually. When you're in the house at the beginning of the game and you go into the room and take a step to your left and see the skeleton behind the wall. Yeah. Um, that's a really neat scene. And it's I mean, it's really one of the only times in the game where you're seeing something that the character presumably doesn't know is there right. that is meaningful in some way. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's it's super cool because it's really early in the game. Like you're coming across all these things that suggest that something nefarious is going on. And then like you see the skeleton and it's like confirmation that, that something really bad is happening, but and the character doesn't know about it. Right. And we actually talked about this uh, <laughs> on the Metroid Fusion episode. Uh, very early in that game, there's a wall that presumably Samus cannot see behind where you just see, like, Ridley mm. just over out Fro- side of the screen. Yeah. And it's also a good moment, and I think that if your game is being compared to a Metroid game, that's probably not a bad thing right? Well, uh, in the atmosphere department. Especially because there are parts of the game where it feels like it's it's never in a first-person perspective, it's always from a third-person perspective. Mm-hmm. But there are moments where you feel like you are the character, but then at the end of the game, he's speaking to you directly, like in second person, saying, like, you did this, you guided me here, you showed me these things. Not always. Yeah. <laughs> but the, no, I, my the, point... I'm a lunatic ending. Yeah. He does speak to you directly. <laughs> right, but I just thought it was interesting. I like when games, you know, kind of play with whether you recognize yourself as being the avatar in the game, or if you see it solely from, like, a third-person perspective, or, in this case... You know, when they break the fourth wall and address you as being a part of the narrative that is not necessarily as the player character. Right. Games can get really obnoxious with fourth wall breaking, though. I I don't think this one did, but I I was worried about when he started referring to, like, you, the player, at the ending. I was like, like, how stupid is this going to get? Because (laughs) I think that's, like, that's a really lazy storytelling like device. Well, the, I mean, this, the, this game did not fall in, into the pitfall. I don't think of, we didn't of like it, the insanity ending, but not for that reason. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that all makes sense. Mm-hmm. What other feelings do we have? Thoughts? Final thoughts. <gasps> the uh, end of the podcast. Oh, I, this is gonna. We should cut this out if it makes me look stupid. Okay. Uh, no, we should, we'll we should absolutely keep it in if it makes them listen. I, I, at least, I mean, I guess I, this is an interesting question. As someone who listens to the podcast, I never know how much stuff you do cut out, because obviously I only hear the final product, but very frequently you're like, this isn't going in the podcast. And, and it's it, on and the it's podcast? There. Yeah. Uh, so I probably doomed myself. But anyway, <laughs> the, the water tower... Did we go there? We did. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. It's when it's when I went up the two ladders. It's where and your wallet is. Okay. Where, and 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 you look out over the edge and you say like, oh, that's the exit to the sewers. Yeah. If someone was up here, maybe they saw it's me. It's like right after you leave the sewer, there's a ladder up high that you have to like. 
Okay. Bring down. I remember what part you're it. talking about now. I, for some reason, I, that didn't like click with me that that's where we were, and maybe it's because of this. Tell me if you disagree. But it seems like like the game really makes a big deal about the water tower. I mean, yeah. like it drops more hints about that being a meaningful location than any other like place in the game. Yeah. Um, in the part with your computer, like you have a website up about the water tower. I was expecting to go into and yeah, the postcards about the water tower. The water tower like, was on the maps. I didn't feel like it figured into the plot very significantly. Maybe it was because of the ending we got. I um, think it was because I, I think that the way that. The way that I read it with the water tower is that when you get to the top of the water tower, it says, like, oh, I could see, it, like, somebody could have seen me if they mm-hmm. were up here. I think the implication, because you find your wallet up there, is that you were the one that was up there, and you were watching people as they were coming through. And then I guess, like, like a, a drunken <laughs> Batman just, like, <laughs> diving on top of people and stabbing them to death. Yeah, yeah, I, I was thinking that, because he says he can see the house... And I was thinking, like, maybe that's how you ended up there, is that he was up there, like, spying on the people in the house before he decided to go in there and murder them. Right. Yeah. Also possible. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. Yeah. So on that note, do we have final thoughts? Uh, I guess I'll go first. Um, so as we've been discussing, uh, this game does have its flaws, and... Uh, I, I think it's because it's more of like an experimental game, or at least it has that feel to me. It's shorter, made by one person, and, you know, strips out a lot of like conventional gameplay mechanics and things of that nature. But I really like this game. Like, I think, like I've said, the buzzword on this episode is atmospheric. Uh, the game is very atmospheric, and it sets like a, a tone that I like. And if you hadn't already been doing this, I would probably be showing it to all my friends, too, because it's so short and cheap mm-hmm. that, I don't know, I think it's, I think it is an experiment that works, and I think I'd like to see, like, what else the developer can do in, an, in another game, like, using these ideas and what they've learned from it. Yeah, I, I think that the uniqueness of the game is, in and of itself, uh, like what makes this game worthwhile the fact that it's something that took its idea and ran with it and obviously it's a short game and no clip podcast as a whole loves when a game is short and doesn't take a lot of our time uh, <laughs> uh, but it, it also aids in that like i want to see more endings i want to see how this person reacts to it it's like a like a, a psychological test, like the Rorschach test yeah, for somebody. Yeah, I always really anticipating whether or not they're going to say they found Rachel in the basement, <laughs> right. that kind of thing. Are they going to set the rat free? They yeah. It <laughs> oh, there? yeah, that never played in again. It Aww. never does. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> he said, dejectedly. <laughs> I know, I'm sad. If you set it free, I was hoping that it was... I, if you Yeah, you leave it in the trap, turns out the rat killed everybody. The rat was Rachel. Yeah. The, oh, the rat, it was rat Rachel. <laughs> Rat TM, TM, TM. So. I'm going to pass uh, my turn on this. I'm done. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I obviously I like this game too, but I, I don't know if it ever really delivers on the promise of maybe the first 15%. Sure. Um, there are a lot of cool elements, uh, but I, it, I don't know if it ever comes together to uh, into something really great or spectacular. But... Mm-hmm. Considering it's the product of like one person, yeah. it's obviously still quite impressive, and I would also like to watch other people play it. Right. I think the strength of the game is watching other people play it and seeing what choices they make and what endings they get. I'm not sure if I would replay it myself just 
for the sake of getting the other endings, I would probably be more likely to watch it on YouTube now that I know kind of how the plot goes and what experiences there are and are not present. Um, so yeah, watching other people play it after your first playthrough, I think for me would be the more appealing thing. And it, it explains a lot of why Chad was showing it to everybody because that's really where it is interesting to see what people um, notice and what choices they make. It'd be cool if there was like one really buck wild ending. Right. Like is. you like if you set the rat free, then it turns out like there's a demon in your basement. Right. It's like the de- the dog ending of uh, Silent Hill where like yeah, yeah. some other entity was was orchestrating the whole thing and it's silly in some way. Yeah. That would be pretty good. Thank you for joining us on No Clip Pocket. What are we talking about next time? Next time we're going to be talking about Monument Valley for iOS and Android. Uh, so I think this is the first time we're going to talk about like a proper phone game. Yeah, like, so a game that is just a phone game. Right. Um, so join us for that. Uh, until the next time, you can get a hold of us. All of our contact information is on nocliptpodcast.com or on splattershot.pro. That domain's going to run out soon, and I'm not sure if I'm going to renew it. <laughs> so, you know, get on that now. Uh on there, you can find all of our old episodes, uh, our YouTube channel, and a link to our Twitter, at Nuclear Podcast. Uh, and I've been mentioning this on the end of the episode, but I know Janelle doesn't listen. So, Janelle, <laughs> yes. what have you been doing recently? What have I been doing? Well, I took over your Twitter account. Mm-hmm. I've been sending out all those tweets. Um, so hopefully if we get a little more traffic up on there, I would love to put out some Twitter polls, kind of engage the audience, um, maybe put out a couple options for upcoming pocket episodes or full-length episodes that people could choose from, um, kind of have a little bit of say in the content that you put out. Um, and I just want to say I don't listen to the podcast, largely because <laughs> I hate hearing my own voice, so I will never listen to the ones that I'm on. Um, but also you, hate Andy's voice. Also so hate Andy's voice. So really, ones. I never listen to any any of them. That's fair. Not a one. No. But um, yeah, so I would love to see some more engagement on the Twitter. You can hit me up there at Noclip Podcast, and I'm going to try to keep the internet folks in the loop with all of the Noclip goings on. I like the sound of all voices because they keep the ones in my head out. Can we plug the Twitter? Well, this is where I would be ending the podcast. But we didn't pick a game for next time. Andy knows. Uh, the, well, the choice is uh, next time we're there. playing uh, Time Splitters Future Perfect. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know you want a full episode of that. That's true.